Oh my goodness. Look at you. Look at that. You look like you're you're, you're one of the emperors in in a in an animatic before they shot Star Wars. <laughs> and they got uh, yes. they got a fancy British guy to come in. Well, you know what this is? This is all an attempt to make our show sound better because uh so I'm in a closet. Right. I'm right. in a closet with a sound blanket, um, which is going to be much less interesting for our um, our our YouTube audience. But I think our podcast audience will be really pleased with the sound now. I think it's going to be a lot better. Have we been getting complaints about the audio? I am getting so many uh, emails. Yeah. It's, it's embarrassing. Yeah. yeah it, uh, it's time to address these things. Yeah. Um, so this is, uh, I'm still not used to getting it set up and, uh, I actually had to set it up early this earlier today because as you know, I, I called you 20 minutes ago and said, I think I'll be there on time. You were um, racing to get to the studio. I was racing to get to the studio. And, and now you, uh, you have an official studio. Now I have an official studio, except I think, uh, I think as the, uh, I'm going to fix my lighting. Uh, I did, I was going to do better lighting instead of having this bald cap glare on the top of my head and uh yeah um i didn't even have time to go get myself my traditional beer um before the show started that's how how behind i was well thank god you made it thank god you're here safely I'm sorry <laughs> that you can't get drunk while you're doing it but you gotta do the show I, all right i i'll have that to look forward to when we're done how are you man i'm good oh wait what are you drinking just a seltzer with, oh. with like a lime a lime seltzer. Right. Nothing exciting. It's good. Oh, it's, it's probably going to get to be about 8,000 degrees in this closet by the time the show's over, too. So I'm looking forward to that. We'll have to see how that works out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I wish I was there to help you out. But I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a construction person. I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> okay. Um, how was your week? Um, busy, a lot of editing, a lot of, um, a lot of teaching. We started our, Amelia and I started our, um, on camera acting workshop that we teach here in the city. We're doing it remotely, but we teach, uh, at a place called, um, primary stages and that's been going great. Um, we always love doing that. Um, but we're doing that and working at pace. So there's a lot of teaching going on and, um, and uh, it's been busy. I need a little. I'm looking forward to a little Halloween weekend to chill out a little bit. How about you? What are you, what are, are you getting dressed up as? Something. I always kind of dress up as something. You know, I mean, every day I'm just kind of playing a character in some fashion. <laughs> Aren't we all? I used to. I used to be an actor. Uh, mm -hmm. Back back in the day, when there was an Earth. When there was when there was an Earth, when there was a planet out there that we could go participate in. Now I, I sit around the house. Now you talk about movies. I talk about movies. Yeah. Yes, with my brother. Um, did you see anything interesting this week? What did I see? Well, we uh, we've been doing um, a run of Exorcist movies for for Rated Paranormal, uh -huh. for the other podcasts I do, and. Um, so we watched uh, Exorcist three, um, and uh, Amelia—that's her first movie. Uh, so I always enjoy watching that and talking about that. So we've been watching a lot of old horror movies, 
that's our, that's that's what we've been doing. Um, I haven't. I got I got a, an episode into Squid Game, and uh, One I saw episode. the pilot. Yeah, but I started late. Like I want to see the show, but I I I've only seen one episode so far. I'm way behind. Um, you know, I'm just like uh, I like the golden oldies. What can I say? How was your week? Yeah, you know, I don't even remember my week. It was. Well, it you're was, still in it. I'm still in it. it. It's been really busy, busy with lawyers. Um, we we got an email from our lawyers uh, the other night for this business I'm starting with two friends, this new spirit we're launching. We got an email with corporate documents for us to review, and I think there were 26 documents attached to this email. And I, I actually am an attorney, aside from playing one on television sometimes. I didn't understand what any of these documents said. I, I, I called our lawyer and I said, which of these do I have to actually read and understand or should we just sign them and send them back to you? Um, uh, Wasn't that his job to, to explain them to you? Yeah, but it, it, it's too complicated for me to even... It, it would be like you're having brain surgery. Right, and then you th- oh well, please explain to me exactly what you're doing. Yeah, you're not going to understand it. Well, let me put it this way: I, I, someone uh, sent me an article on non fungible tokens today, and I feel no better off than I was before I read it. Non fungible tokens, and NFTs, yeah, yeah. I do know what I do know from my time in law school what what fungible and non fungible goods are. I do know what those are. Yeah, but do you know what they mean when they call it an MF, NFT in terms of digital media? I'm I'm guessing that a non fungible token is a is a uh, a digital signature type item that you can use that cannot be exchanged for another one of like kind it's completely unique and distinguishable from all others even though it's exactly the same as any other reproduction of it ever will be right but it it cannot because fungible goods are things like nails are fungible you're actually wrong because what it really is is a way for people like kim kardashian to make even more money off of their great works of digital art Wow. I asked uh, somebody who knew about it today because I was like thinking about like, well, you know, I hear about these NFTs. Maybe, you know, there would be a way to, you know, um, to sell some of my artwork. You know, I've been drawing for a long time. Right. But doesn't it mean? No, no, they just want Kim Kardashian's, uh, you know, emoji from right. But doesn't it mean that for for her that thing that she has created she can make multiple copies of it and they are visually and for all intents and purposes indistinguishable each one from the other but that each copy has something attached to it that distinguishes it so that she knows oh that copy that you have is bootleg i can take it away from you when i started this conversation i started saying i didn't understand this so <laughs> i don't know why you're asking me at the end okay. of it okay <laughs> all right um well fungible is just a fun word to say it is yeah is that fungible is that yeah is that I, uh... I, I, the that amusement park is is much more fungible than the other amusement park. yeah 
Is that penne with fungible with fungibles? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Fungibles. Um. Anyway, I I didn't mean to go off on a tangent. I I, I have I don't I, what I meant to say is I this is a crazy world and it I don't understand crazy. it anymore. Okay. Which doesn't matter. No um, one asked. So, uh, <clears throat> but I didn't I didn't watch anything interesting this week. Nothing. Um, my my life has been a, a desert of of culture this week. I don't have anything. Oh. It was all work. Uh, oh, except well. except I did no that's not true. I did see one movie this week that um that I guess we're going to talk about now. Oh well, you so you did. You did your share. You did your part. I you did saw my something. part. I did. I saw 1983's Christine. Um we did you have a fungible time? I had a I had a very fungible time. <laughs> Um, I actually, uh, th- this movie gave me all of the feels that I wanted it to give me. Um, it wasn't, you know, ho- horrifying, like, ah, but I had such a fun, fun, just plain fun, nostalgic time watching mm. it. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, a really nostalgic time because doesn't it take place in 1978? Came out in 1983, but. Isn't it 1978 at the high school in this movie? I honestly remember. Did they have a card that said that? I, I wasn't paying card attention. I, after, after Christine came off the line and we mm-hmm. flashed forward. I thought Why is 1978 uh, was, uh, meaningful to you? It was the year I graduated from high school. Oh, okay. So, so that high school that he was in was essentially the high school that I was in. It it felt it was very, you know, yeah. The clothes, the people, the the stuff going on. Yeah. Well, I mean it came out and I don't remember it being 78 or whatever, but I mean it came out in 80 in 83, so it still feels also like my you know, young yeah. adolescence too. Um and I, I you know, I came to this I came to this one kind of late. I wasn't I really wasn't into Christine for for a long time. I didn't. I like John Carpenter, but I I was you know I'm a th- maniac for the thing and and Halloween and They Live and a bunch of his movies. But Christine, um, I don't know for whatever reason at the, at the time I wasn't a huge fan. I've come around on it. I think it's great, and I don't think the the, the second half is as strong as the first half. Um, and I'm not a huge fan of how it all ends. But I can get my nitpicky stuff out of the way right right there because everything else, everything else, I'm pretty down for. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's, uh, you want to give the uh, the uh, capsule for our for our yeah. Okay, uh, sure. Yeah. Um, it says uh, Christine, based on Stephen King's uh, novel of the same name, directed by John Carpenter, with screenplay by Bill Phillips, and it stars Keith Gordon. Oh. Uh, John Stockwell and Alexander Paul. Keith Gordon, who interestingly has gone on to be a, quite a wonderful director um, since he was a, a really excellent young actor and child actor. Um, he's, in, he's in a lot of great movies, but then he kind of became uh, more interested in directing, and he's, he's really great. And anyway, um, Christine is about a, it's a killer car movie. It's a movie about a killer car, man. Another one of those. Yeah, a really, um, a really kind of uptight, nervous, kind of nerdy high school kid who doesn't have any luck being social or getting any 
attention from girls. He's, um, but he's smart and he's a nice guy and his best friend's a football player and kind of a cool dude. Um, anyway, they have some misadventures at high school together and you find out that this young guy, Arnie, is, uh, he's got kind of trouble at home. His parents are really, really hard on him and he's struggling. He doesn't have a lot of money. Things are kind of tough for Arnie. And, um, one day after school, they drive by a, a, a kind of a junkyard and see a, uh, a gorgeous old, I'm forgetting the actual model of the car now, which is stupid because this is about a, is it a Plymouth? I think it's a Plymouth Fury, isn't it? I think so. It's a, it's an old Plymouth Fury from what, 50, 57 or something. Um, and it's rusted out and it's sitting in a, you know, in a heap. And uh, he he buys it from the old gentleman who uh, who owns the property. Who we will talk about. Oh, we will be talking about Robert Blossom, <laughs> yes. for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a mystery about the car. It used to be uh, this old man's brother's car, and he was in love with it. But then he died, and oh, his wife also died, and. <laughs> He sells his the baby car. His daughter didn't his, his daughter die? Daughter died, died, yeah. Of course, the movie starts on the assembly line when we see Christine getting built. Um, really beautiful montage of cars coming off this 1950s assembly line. Yep. To uh, classic 50s rock and roll. And you see her come off the brand new paint job. And, yep. and they're this... all white. All of the cars are white except for Christine. She's the only red car in that line. And she is so beautiful that one of the work workmen comes off the line and kind of inspects her and really appreciates her. And he sits down in the in the front seat and um, he's got a cigar. <coughs> he's got a cigar. Gesundheit. God bless you. Oh, but before he does that, before that, somebody's hand gets chopped off in the hood. Yes. Yes. There's an accident involving Christine. And then the guy ashes his uh, cigar in the front seat, you know, the way that they apparently did back when they made cars yeah. in the 50s. Well, it had plastic and, um, on it, like in your grandmother's uh, living room. Christine doesn't like that. She doesn't like that at all. No. And uh, she she uh, kills him. Are you going to make some more noises? Or you, I'm going uh... to mute myself while I cough. Okay. You can keep talking. Okay. Matthew's having a medical problem right now it's a very scary visual actually right then without yeah. the noise because it looked like you needed the heimlich maneuver really yeah. badly yeah um anyway he's back um and uh and so we, we learn the backstory of this car but then we see it as this old car and arnie buys it for like 250 dollars and his parents it's won't falling apart it practically has plants growing out of it when he sees it's it. a mess it's a mess and um his parents won't even let him keep it in the in the driveway, so he 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 gets a deal to store it at this junk shop, where this is like junkyard where they have junker cars. <clears throat> Darnell's do-it-yourself garage. And the great Robert Prosky tears oh it God. up, oh tears it God. up as as the owner of this establishment. And um, Arnie uh, Arnie brings the car back to life. And um, if you've ever seen The Shining or read that book, you kind of know where this is going. If yeah. if The Shining is a haunted hotel, this is a haunted this is a haunted uh, car. 
Right. And Arnie's personality starts to change. Uh, he becomes uh, enamored of the car. The car starts to become a person, kind of has a personality and starts killing people. Um, yeah. And Arnie's personality changes kind of at first for the good in a way. Like yeah. he gets a lot of, uh, <clears throat> he, he has new self-respect because he has this automobile that he, he's made look really beautiful. And um, he actually, you know, he ends up, kind of getting a girlfriend and you don't really know quite why that's a that's a plot line i think could have used a little bit of work maybe from deborah hill who should have been on this movie and wasn't but um i mean i think really that's the only part of this film where i i just can't i i can't uh get in love with this part but you she, can't get um, in love with alexandra paul of of, no, of that's they, not, wa that's they watch not, fame well, no, but that's not what I'm... You say it in a way that makes it sound kind of wrong and dirty, and I don't mean it that way. All I mean to say... Stop making me look like such a creep. What I mean to say <laughs> is that uh, that character is underwritten, and I, I, yeah. I didn't feel... I understood why they were dating. But anyway, he gets a girlfriend, and he starts kind of dressing like a cooler guy, and, and then it goes wrong. He starts to actually become kind of sullen and and violent and uh, curse out, curses out his parents, fights with his dad. It gets real rebel without a cause. He kind of he kind of turns a little James Deany. Yeah. As James Dean as as uh, Keith Gordon's going to get. Yeah. And then Christine starts killing people on her own. Like just driving herself around killing people. Well, she's jealous. She's madly jealous and very protective of um of Keith Gordon, of Arnie. Yeah. And um, they really do have a relationship. In fact, his girlfriend's very jealous of the car. And um, in my favorite sequence, almost dies. Christine almost kills his girlfriend. And um, that is that is my favorite. That's your favorite sequence? That's my, yeah. Well, yeah, it actually is. I, I love the other big action set piece a lot, but this one's, this one's fantastic. And um. And so she kind of breaks up with Arnie, and Arnie uh, kind of, uh, you know, disappears to his friends for a while. And then they find out what he's been doing. Yeah. How, now, you saw this when you were in high school. Uh, um, you know, I don't think I oh, did. No, you were out of high school when this came out. I was out of high school when this came out. I don't think I did see this before. What? How is that possible? I don't even know how that's possible. 1983. I was uh, I was in law school. I was busy doing law schooly things. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm sorry, man. You got to learn to have a better story on the show. I don't. Oh, that really? I got to yeah. make stuff up. I was uh, scuba diving for I'm the. Sorry, 1983 was when I was going through my French New Wave phase. Okay. Um, oh, actually, no. You know what I was? What the phase I was going through in 1983? What was um. Uh, Preston Sturgis. I was watching all of Preston Sturgis movies in 1983. These are not mutually exclusive things. <laughs> you know what I'd like to see is Preston Sturgis remake of Christine. Um, it would with certainly Eddie Bracken as Arnie with a little sex. <laughs> with a little sex. <laughs> and if if you don't know that reference, it's to. Um, it's to Sullivan's Travels, one of Preston Sturge's great movies. Um, all right. So um, should we get into the nitty gritty on this movie? Why not? We told everybody what it is. 
And okay. it, it, you know, it, it's this isn't a movie you got to worry about spoiling. It's yeah. it's a pretty okay, well, simple trajectory. They did a great th- thing at the beginning, I thought. Through the Columbia Pictures logo and and everything, I kept thinking, "Damn it, there's something wrong with my TV." Because there was no sound. I couldn't get any sound. And then I finally realized, oh, there's just, there's nothing. I went to another channel. There's nothing wrong with my sound. So I was like, okay, start it. It goes through all the logo and all the beginning. And then the sound of the car starting up, that deep throaty growl actually made me jump. So they made me jump at the beginning of the movie before it has started, before anything scary has happened. They, Christine got me mm-hmm. right at the beginning and i thought mm-hmm. okay that's great filmmaking right from the beginning you know this is john, that yeah. simply. it's john carpenter he's yeah. the master of keeping it economical right. and and scaring you silly right and then that first visual she's the only red car on the line you know and the great shot of the guy who's going to get his hand chopped off that shot in the rearview mirror of him walking up to the car great shot um, but it, it also just, it, it, it was interesting because it, it, for me, it almost had a feeling of, you know how they're doing all this stuff on Netflix now where they go back to the seventies or they go back to the eighties and they recreated it. They yeah. recreated this movie almost felt like they were, it, it happened then the movie was made then. And yet it, it completely captured in a very realistic way the social structure of high school at the time and he didn't idealize the high school you know it didn't look like a it looked like a real high school oh i think they shot yeah it looks like they shot it in a real high school it's the very football real. game and everything yeah. it wasn't all prettied up in any way it was just it was almost like a documentary yeah i guess although i mean i don't know i got i had the option to see it on um there's two different formats that it was uh-huh. available in on on Amazon Prime or where is where I got to see the movie <clears throat> and I was I'd seen it before but never saw like a, a like a 4K print of it like a really ah. good print so yeah. I, I I rented the 4K version of it and <clears throat> streamed that and oh my god this is the photography is incredible and the um it's just the best car shooting like the 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 way that they film these the christine herself but all cars and all people riding in cars and moving alongside cars and all the photography of these of these things are is stunning and i would love to, i have to dig deeper and find out how like inspired for instance i thought of like once upon time once upon a time in hollywood and and um death proof you know as two movies mm-hmm. that really i think stole some moves from Christine. Um, it's just incredible. And how she's a real character, you know? I mean, she is truly, a, uh, she has a complete personality. That's what got me, is how much he created a jealous female character that is just a hunk of metal. And the... The, the one of the bet my favorite shots in the whole thing is the shot on the on the on the football field where where Arnie's best friend gets hurt 
and everybody goes running to Arnie after he's hurt. And the camera just does this slow pan left and zoom in on Christine. And it's just a shot of a car. And yet you know that that car is sitting there smugly smiling to itself that it has wreaked vengeance on this guy. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, just the design of it is the perfect model of car to do this with. It's not such a famous model that you've seen it a thousand times in movies, but it's it's still a classic. And um, it's it's kind of funny looking from some angle. Like it's a really interesting, weird car. Yeah, it's got a lot of personality, and and um the way that they shoot it, and like those shots of it in the alley when it's chasing one of the uh, one of the evil teen kids from high Moochie, school when it's chasing Moochie. Yeah, when it's chasing Moochie, those scenes in the alley when it's coming around the corner and from the dark are terrifying. They're absolutely really terrifying. chilling. Yeah, they black out the windows. Mm-hmm. And they did it, of course, so you couldn't see the stunt driver who was. You know. Oh, is that why they did it? I thought it was okay. Yeah. Um, um, so <clears throat> I am surprised you didn't see this. Are, 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 where are you on the on the John Carpenter scale? Because is this just another movie from the eighties to you, or is this a John Carpenter movie for you? It's a John Carpenter movie. Okay. I just yeah. we haven't talked about Carpenter really, so I don't know. I don't know what you think of him. I I like Carpenter. I like wrong. Carrie. That's a terrible answer. I like it. I'm, <laughs> it's like, what I'm, are you? Not a, I'm, I'm not a devotee as you would be. You know, I'm not. Oh, I, I don't know movies like oh. you know movies. You're oh, the expert. God. You're the movie expert. I like movies. I watch them. I pull stories apart. But I'm not. I'm not the uh, the. Uh, connoisseur that you are that's not that's that's a different conversation and i i i just mean i mean i just mean that, who, who, that i'm, one, I'm one, writing for, something i'm writing mm. something and i'm going oh i need uh i need a scene in which which a an italian person is playing the drums what i need a reference to an italian person playing the drums uh, i call i call you Tony, what's a movie where there's an Italian person playing the drums? And you'll tell me, you know, I need a movie in which a seven-year-old is making fettuccine and you'll know, like right off the top of your head. Oh, a seven-year-old makes fettuccine in this movie. But you have to understand my, my exceptional knowledge of the field doesn't really have anything to do with you being asked if you, what you think of John Carpenter as a filmmaker and you going, I, I, it was, it's good. He's fine. I mean, I think the podcast is definitely about somebody who loves movies and somebody who kind of likes them. No, I love movies. Kind of like <laughs> it's it's good. He's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's uh, completely redefined the genre. Uh, but maybe you we know. should change the name of the show to "An Arkin Brother Talks About Movies." <laughs> And another brother chimes in sometimes <laughs> with in, in, inane non sequiturs. No. <laughs> no, we're just, this isn't your wheelhouse, understandably. I'm a horror nut, so I love John Carpenter and, I, you know, studied his movies as a kid and wasn't your thing. You were in law school. You're more, you're more mature than I am, clearly, and had other things on your mind. But, um, but you know, what's. Okay, go ahead. Carrie has a, you know, a, a Carrie. 
Um, I like that movie. It scared me a lot. I watched it. That's a John Carpenter movie, right? I'm not. That is not correct. That's not. Oh, okay. He's uh, no. who? Who directed Carrie? Brian De Palma. Oh, right. Okay. See? It is. It is Stephen King, but it's. Um, <laughs> are we doing was... a? Is this a movie show? I thought we were doing a movie podcast. Sorry, Bet Bulls had something to say. What's that, Bet Bulls? Bet Bulls said something. <laughs> My first car, Ford Pinto. <laughs> okay. I came out okay. No one on fire. That's that's good to hear, Bet, because I heard some people had some trouble with those Pintos. I'm glad we were able to change the to- the topic from me mm. not knowing that Carrie was Brian De Palma there for a minute. No, that's fine. That was Brian De Palma, a <laughs> uh, different director. Um, Brian De Palma, director of Casablanca. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had a long day. I understand. Yeah, you, you had a long day teaching film class. So let's <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> I think I think I'll be getting fired tomorrow. <laughs> no, they they they're happy that you don't know who Brian De Palma is. That that's good. They don't need that filth, and they're taught it in their school. Um, John Carpenter is uh, is uh, Halloween and Escape from New York, and they live and the thing and prince of darkness and Escape from new york which we talked about on this uh it came up for sure didn't we we watched it didn't we we did we did watch, we it watched it the show, show. Mm-hmm. and brian de palma didn't he direct carlito's way that we yeah watched okay so i know one or two things yeah you do just still <laughs> not who directed carrie but that's fine um what I think is interesting that you bring up Carrie is that to me, this is actually, I never, I think of this because I hadn't read the either book, but I've seen both movies. And I'm, I'm guessing this is kind of like Stephen King's, like, Carrie for boys. Yeah, well, Stephen King does not like bullies. No. He doesn't like bullies. And what, and what I think is interesting is the, is the bully in this movie, um... Uh, William Ostrander, who plays Buddy, uh, the bully, is wonderful in it, um, and uh, is reminiscent of uh, John Travolta's character in Carrie. Similar, yeah. Which I double-checked before we did the show. I went and watched the clip from Carrie to make sure that it was actually John Travolta. I didn't mess that one up. He gets killed in a fiery car crash that Carrie, uh, they're trying to run Carrie down and she does her, her look and the car flips and explodes. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a, there's similar DNA here, same writer, same source, same source writer. And, um, they're kind of like, I don't know the two high school, you know, outsider high school stories. And one, one's a very, you know, very female centric concept completely. Um, and this one is so, so much about masculinity and young, young testosterone. And there's this weird, like misguided sexual energy in this movie too, which is really, you know, I think really notable, like in the fight, you know, uh, like the, 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 the evil kid wins the fight cause he grabs John Stockwell by the, by the balls. And it, it, it's, it's all this really weird kind of, uh, uh, like negative male sexuality on display in this movie. Yeah. There's also some weirdness with the, um, that they never go all the way explaining between 
between um, Alexandra Paul and and John Stockwell, where she, they sort of becoming boyfriend and girlfriend at the end, and it's but it's handled in a really weird way, and you and I kept expecting, oh, Christine's gonna that's bad because that's bad, right? Isn't that bad to 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 be with your 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 friend's girlfriend that's a bad that's a bro code thing right well i think once your friend has already tried to kill that girlfriend all bets are off in all terms of off. maybe you can date that person maybe it's maybe i don't, I don't know. know i, I think, think it's i think the bro know. code's pretty strong I don't know if it's that strong. I mean, oh. he, he's. I think they've already determined that he was a, a homicidal maniac. She kind of breaks up with him anyway. Like they're they're kind of over. Okay. All right. I don't know. Well, I wouldn't worry about it too much. But maybe maybe that's what I'm talking about. This is a ris- this is a sexually advanced movie. It's incredibly advanced. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> way ahead of groundbreaking and ahead of its time. Way ahead of its time. All right. Um. Can we talk a little bit? One one thing I loved is the the subtle progression of of uh, Arnie's character as told through costume and color and and props. You know, from the nerdy guy with the nerdy hair, the glasses that get broken, the classic taped nerdy glasses after they're broken by the bad guy into a real subtle shift of his hair into like you said the the rebel without a cause hairdo without it going too overboard and then he starts to subtly turn into what we would have called in high school uh, a greaser you know he's hanging out at the the darnell's do-it-yourself garage and then he shows up in that red jacket that just says satan basically yeah. but it's also it's like, the same color it says as, satan by members only yeah satan by members only and uh and then a little later is gone is the red jacket and we've moved on to the black vest mm-hmm. and then finally the black vest and the red devil jacket i mean it it's all really well yeah well planned out that visual transition um and the jacket totally matches the color of christine it totally does and what i love about it too is that it's actually not that hip or cool it's just it's like it's arnie's version of cool 50s but arnie's not a really cool guy so no i mean other than the car the car is definitely the coolest thing about arnie Yes. You know, and his ability to <clears throat> build cars and stuff. Um, having read a little bit about, not I didn't read the novel, but having read a little bit about the differences between the book and the movie. Yeah. I have to say, I'm kind of disappointed. I don't, I don't hold John Carpenter responsible for this because he's not really a writer, John Carpenter. He's not known okay. for his screenwriting. <clears throat> um, but I feel like they, they kind of missed the boat on the on the Christine legacy on the mythology a little bit when when I when I when I learned what it was in the book I found it much more unnerving interesting yeah what well I want to hear more about that what I noticed and maybe this is going to key into what you're about to talk about 
is that I felt what was missing in the movie was Christine's origin story. Because it tells us that, you know, it starts with her chopping the guy's hand off, right? So that's what tells us right away that she's bad. But when I say origin story, I'm like, why, how and why? What made her different than the other cars on that line? How did the evil spirit get into her? Is that addressed in the book? Is that that's what exactly what that's exactly what's handled differently in the book, apparently. And I know I want to I would like to read the book to see how accurate this is. But apparently, from what I read, Christine isn't born bad. She doesn't come off the line bad. She's the, the person that buys her is completely evil. And develops a psychotic relationship with her and she become they become kind of melded and it's because of the owner's evil um that she becomes evil herself and and uh the way that 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 possession then becomes that arnie's possessed by the previous owner not by christine or anything that's where it also gets a little muddy like Right. I know he's obsessed by the car, but then he seems kind of possessed. But then you're like, well, by who? Uh, by what? Because we don't know what Christine is. So we don't, you know. Right. But in this version, it would have been the original owner who kind of, through his obsession, dies. And then his, his evil spirit is kind of in Christine. Right. And so any owner. <clears throat> oh, and then one, once he died in real life, Christine couldn't rebuild herself because she needed to have this torrid love affair with her with her driver at that point right and so when he died she goes into disrepair and then arnie brings her back to life and she kind of falls in love with him and then imbues him with the spirit of this previous owner who was a yeah. really bad dude see all of that is is completely missing in the movie She's, totally she is and and they they use it in they use the song to tell us in the movie born to be bad she yeah. comes off the line bad and i that was the one part of the movie that was dissatisfying to me from a story perspective is there was no why to that i, and I, I yeah i agree didn't buy it i mean i think that it, it you, you kind of i kind of feel like he john carpenter made a case for that kind of horror character in halloween and it works perfectly in halloween that you know just a little bit about Michael Myers, but you really don't know what's going on in that, in that head of his. And I love that level of mystery about the character. And so I get disappointed when they try other films to explain more about him. It, it always mm -hmm. bothered me, but this is a movie where the mythology of it, I think would have been really important in the same way that it worked in the shining. You know, I mean, it, it, it really works in The Shining to increase that that, that terror of what's happening to Arnie because we right. kind of realize, oh, no, he's, you know, he we, we would know a little bit about what's happening to him. And now right. we don't. We, we don't really know, except that he's just getting kind of mean. And it comes off a little bit more like a like a cautionary tale about drug addiction or something. Mm -hmm. Well, to way. go back to what you were saying about about Halloween and, and Michael Myers is I. I buy that with a human. Like I, I buy the, the concept. There was a human born with a piece missing and, and they are evil. Right. I, I'll, 
but the with a an inanimate inanimate object, I didn't buy it. Uh, well, yeah, I, I think neither of us totally did. I mean, no. I, in a way, I think it would have been better not to have any explanation. Mm -hmm. See, I think I would have bought it if they hadn't, if she hadn't chopped a guy's hand off. If we hadn't been, if we weren't supposed to think that these events had something to do with her being possessed or evil, that she just came right. off the line and she was just different, a different color. That I think that would have been enough. Right. And you just never know the mystery of this car, except that it never really dies. I would have thought that would have been a better way to handle it than just these, you know, these little, little moments in the, in the beginning that show her being evil. If she just was, maybe that would have been better. Right. Um, music. F fantastic. Yeah. Great, great choices. Great we belong together coming on to the radio yeah. when she's when she's killing Alexandra Paul. Yeah. Just fantastic bit of irony there. Um, and uh, the cast, Keith Gordon, I, I loved in this. I, I thought John Stockwell and Andrew, Alexandra Paul were sort of prototypical uh, 80s. You know, they were fine. I'll say, you know, I, let's stop on uh, on Stockwell for a second because I, I I think he's fine in it. He, he's he's yeah, you know, they're, they're both... but but I really love I love that character. I thought there was something so unique about the friendship that they were trying to depict there. It, it was a rare. It was actually pretty unusual in the '80s to have two like two dude friends who were in high school. One who's kind of a jock and one who's not who who genuinely just like each other, like genuinely look after yeah. each other and genuinely care, care about each other in, in a, in a real like bonded way. That's not, you know, um, there, you know, in a lot of movies at that time, there would have been that thing of like, you know, oh, we'd be afraid of people thought we were gay because we were right. hanging out too much. Like there isn't even a mention of it. They're just really, really close. And to the point where Stockwell like knows Arnie's parents and knows them well enough to kind of, like kind of be critical of how they're raising him and yeah they're almost and like stand brothers. up to them stands up to them a little y bit yeah and 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 sure. and um you know he he looks after arnie he protects him in fights and stuff but yeah doesn't feel like arnie owes him anything he's it's just a it's a rare thing to see that kind of relationship between two guys in a movie especially in the 80s and i thought that was kind of cool in stockwell you know, he didn't he didn't seem embarrassed to do any of that stuff, which I think of some young some young actors at the time might have been. I don't know. Yeah. How about that, David Spielberg? How nice was it to see him? It was great. Always nice to see him. Yeah, he's and perfect in that role. Absolutely, totally believable. And we've already mentioned him. Robert Prosky tears it up, and he had we talked about him before in Thief. Right. Yeah. He just started acting like 15 minutes before this movie got signed. It's crazy that he makes the choices that he makes, that he goes as far with them as he goes, that he asked for more dialogue to be written for his character. The scene, that bonding scene between the two of them. That's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. That is a spectacular scene. And, and the way he turns from this guy who's just a, an ass and mean 
to somebody we like extraordinary yeah you you really believably see him turn on his heart light so to speak which was probably a song from the same year and um and you're kind of like you're like who is this guy and you totally believe it and then he turns back into a like a curmudgeonly yeah kind of bastard again but but boy great performance and then then on the other great thing about this movie is harry dean stanton (laughs) i mean harry dean stanton who is who sleepwalks through the movie and is brilliant anyway he's so great (laughs) he's got like three scenes in this movie he's got hardly anything to do in it and yeah this for his first scene that scene in the parking lot when he first meets the kid it's just a master class of being of ease of watch of just being easy on camera yeah he's so relaxed sort of like oh i'm gonna do i'm gonna be in a movie today okay hold on i gotta get a hot dog first all right but man is he but he isn't he isn't sleeping through that scene i mean he is clocking that kid he's so on top yeah. of it but he's so easy i mean his mm-hmm. work is just so effortless through the whole thing well that's his that's his that's his whole thing man i mean that's why he's a legend i think it's really got something to do with that i mean it's not just because he's like a budget uh you know robert mitchum right. <laughs> it's because oh. it's because he's fantastic a i just think he's, robert I think he's fantastic you know <laughs> but of all of the actors in this movie can we please talk for a couple of moments about Robert's Blossom. Robert's Blossom is so um, out there and so in his own private fairyland of, I don't know, like, if you if you don't know who Robert's Blossom is, if you're listening, you probably do, but you're just not remembering. He is the old timer who sits on the mountain in Close Encounters in the middle of the movie and winks at the little kid who's looking at the UFO. He's he's a UFO watcher. He's the old old mountain man UFO watcher. And then he has that great scene at the uh, at the conference where he's like, "I saw a Bigfoot once. Made a noise I would not want to hear twice." <laughs> anyway, Robert's Blossom, fantastic. Just and can I ask you a question? What is he wearing? I don't know. I was gonna. I was gonna hope. I was hoping you'd be able to tell me that thing that he's wearing under his shirt, which looks like uh, you can't tell if it's a piece of equipment or a back brace or something from dead, like that was left over from when they made dead ringers. You know, you just don't know what. It almost looks like like the straps for a World War II parachute set up or something that he wears all the time i don't know what it was what is going it's the weirdest choice and creepy he 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 can be creepy if he wants to be yeah he really can he has this thing where whenever he's challenged you know um (laughs) that bull says jesus i thought robert's blossom was the grandmother of the (laughs) in the adams family color me so wrong that's hysterical yeah robert's blossom we're not mispronouncing it that's the way it's pronounced is robert's blossom Blossom. yeah um 
he's he's also in a really crazy i forget the name of it so i shouldn't even bring it up but i saw him in one of the weirdest low budgets mm. like slasher uber violent slasher movies made for thirty dollars from the late 60s from the late 60s he plays ed gein in something like in the first one of the first ed gein movies that wasn't psycho um ah so robert's blossom he has that look in his eye when he gets challenged where you're like you're a scrawny old man but i would i'm terrified of, of what you're thinking right now when the way he looks at arnie's friend at, at john stockwell there's a couple moments yeah. where he looks at him and you're just like oh my god get out of there get out of the junkyard How do you spell Ed Gein? I want to find out what... Why are you asking me that? I don't know. I want to find I don't a... know, and I don't want to know. Uh, deranged, I think is what it was called. Yes, I think you're right. Yep. I believe you're right. And the reason I was able to find that is because I, I, I actually spelled Ed Gein correctly. I'm, I'm a little upset that I did... And it starred Robert Blossom. Yeah. Yeah, that's go. that's the movie. Yeah, it's it's a crazy, freaky, very low budget movie, and he's he completely commits to it. He probably like got a sandwich and a lift to work for that movie, and he completely commits to the crazy. It's very disturbing. Well, we might have to uh, we might have to put that on our list. Um, do you have a favorite? Um, I mean, we've talked a lot about these cute little acting moments, Matthew, but this is a John Carpenter movie about a, a haunted killer car. <clears throat> Do you have a favorite moment from this movie? Do I have a favorite moment? Um, yeah. I call my favorite moment squeezing Moochie. <laughs> um, when, when he hides in the, in the alcove in the parking lot, the end of the alley that's too narrow for Christine to get to him, and Christine decides she's going to get to him anyway, and she slices her own sides off, basically, to crush him. She drives through this little alleyway and just wedges in. The engine's yeah. so powerful that it yeah. just drags. Just pushing for, like, yeah. it's and gets there and and cuts him in half. Isn't it I, good? I love so, that. Yeah, so great. I love that. And I also the flaming Christine. Well, that's what was I was gonna say. You know, just, how did they do that? I love the I love the scene, the choking scene at the drive-in. I mean, I do think that's kind of my favorite in an in like an art movie way. It's really cool. It's different for John Carpenter. It's much more kind of giallo and Dario Argento in, in style than he usually was. You know, the, with the extreme lighting inside the car, it gets kind of surreal and crazy. Yes. He doesn't really do that a lot. And I just thought that was a really brilliantly shot, constructed scene that ends with her getting the Heimlich maneuver and then Arnie getting angry at the guy that saves her life because he's, like, touching his girlfriend. And you're yeah. like, wow. this It was such a great you know, moment of writing and the way they executed, I just thought was fantastic. But that flaming car scene, when, when that big showdown between Christine and Buddy, I mean, just for action movie thrills, that chase and that I mean, ending up at that exploding gas station. Yeah. And then Christine coming, barreling out of that thing on, 
like completely on fl in flames, like yeah. engulfed in flame. And and this is before CGI or any of that stuff. There was a stunt man inside a car. In on on in, just in, on completely in, in, an, in an inferno. Yeah, you're not expecting it. Like e no. even by today's standards. There's there we really don't do stunts like that anymore. It's to, we don't it's it's we don't really do that. So to so to watch these films that were as recently as the 80s and early 90s where they didn't have a lot of CGI or any CGI to help them out with it. What you're seeing is what is they actually did and it's it's staggering. It blows your mind and and it's yeah. so also it's great action because it's so character like that's Christine. She will not stop. And in those moments, this movie works better than the Terminator. Like it is just relentless. And her her drive, forgive the pun, is is just epic. Uh, it's fantastic. All right. Um. So those are great. Yeah. Those yeah. you know, there's good kills in this movie. There's good, good action kills. kills, horror movie kills. Good kills. Um, Christine with the teeth also, like when, when they do the, that the her front grill is ripped up in such a way that it looks like a fang-filled yeah. mouth coming well, at the end. Check out how evil, how mean Christine is. She's tough. She <clears throat> will destroy herself to get back at you. Yeah. If, she's, if she doesn't like you, if you've wronged her, she will literally tear her own insides out She'll, to get you. just to just to get you and she can uh, then recondition herself yeah she just kind of like gets her gets blown out and she's ready to go again you know how totally. they did that did you, did you read yeah. it all on yeah. how they did that it's fantastic it, it's really special to see um practical effects that are yeah. that that for, beautifully for our done. listeners who don't know they had a, a plastic version of the car with hydraulics inside that would basically crush the car from the inside suck the pieces in on on itself and and then ran it in reverse so mm -hmm. that it looks like she's putting herself back together and it, it yeah. works beautifully all this crushed in metal pops back out and becomes yeah. perfect and it 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 sounds like it would be silly and and honestly we couldn't do that better that would that it it, it it's it's so beautifully shot and yeah. so realized you you really can't believe and i tell you in, in that 4k i saw it in 4k high def it holds up it's perfect like you can't I think if it was computer generated it would look more fake it would look fake well it would be fake <laughs> oh that's true um <laughs> it would true. literally okay. in, let's in, move on then it technically uh, be fake yeah. um, um favorite lines in the movie i kind of failed there i didn't have a lot of great i i didn't love none of the lines really stuck out except actually like prosky's speech that prosky wanted to put back in the movie right um that i liked but i didn't I, none of the dialogue really hit me too hard how about you there were a couple of things that i liked um has it ever occurred to you that part of being a parent is trying to kill your kids <laughs> i liked I liked that line. I don't know if it's from the book, but it's it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, don't touch me, sinner. Was kind of out of the blue and odd. Yeah. Uh, when Arnie gets angry at the fellow. 
Um, and then the conversation, and this goes back to what you were talking about, about the relationship between Arnie and his best friend, John Stockwell. Um, when, when Arnie's first got the car and is starting to like feel good about himself and they're talking about that. And Arnie says, I don't know, maybe it's for the first time in my life. I found something uglier than me. Yeah. And John Stockwell says, you're not ugly, Arnie. And Arnie says, I know what I am. And it's really. Yeah. That's actually uh, now that you mention it, that I, I remember being kind of struck by that moment. That's a really good moment between. Yeah. Them. And, very and, and well touching. Written. Yeah. Um, yeah. To me, it was to me. The experience was purely just like uh, it was just about the magic of the magic of bringing this car alive. I mean, this is just, that's the great magic stunt of this whole movie is the, is believing this car is this a lot, a living thing. And I yeah. really think they pulled that off like that, that, you know, you can complain about some of the casting or some of the minor roles or the script and stuff and whatever. And I can't argue that, but when, when they, when they get right, something that is, usually just not believable in almost any other movie you see uh no gotta give it credit i think the only time they did it nearly as well as this was uh william daniels as 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 kit well night rider night rider is the classic <laughs> i made a little list of the things i could think of that were you know where this is because this, this is in a genre of 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 stories and and science fiction stories and movies of of you know the the machinery come to life, the car come to life. Oh, okay. So being possessed. A thing. This is this things in Christine. Well, no. This is just more. No, this is just other other films and things that are that are similarly that are, have a similar. Gotcha. I mean, like you know, like Duel comes to mind. Spielberg's um, yeah TV film Duel. Um, the short story Killdozer. Do you ever read Killdozer? Yeah, that's a great short story. Killdozer is great, and they made a an actually a pretty good seventies um, uh, TV movie. Yeah, uh, on Kill Killdozer, that was good. Then you've got the car from like I think nineteen seventy five, starring James Brolin, if I'm not mistaken, uh, about oh. a killer car out in the middle of. Southwest that's basically jaws on wheels that and they don't explain what this car is or why it's just evil and it runs just things over. Car. Right. Um and then you've got Maximum Overdrive also from Stephen King this time directed also which was a bit of a mistake. Um <laughs> Magnetic Monster with Richard Carlson from 1952 I think Vampire Motorcycle um and a child's play even could be considered part of this. It's not a car or a truck, but it's a doll that comes to life that's possessed. Well, but then we'd have to go to Chucky. Well, that is Chucky. Oh, child's play. Oh, child's play became Chucky. Yes. Yes. Ah, oh, Chucky wasn't called Chucky. It was called Child's Play. Chucky is the name of the character. The character in Child's, in child's play. play. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, and then I guess you can draw a line from from Child's Play to Ex Machina. Sure, the, but directed by the great uh, Brian De Palma. And then you could draw a line from that to uh, Blade Runner. Well, you can draw lines all over the place. <laughs> you can draw them any way you want. I'm here drawing lines. 
Um, I like this. Uh, I, I kind of like this genre, to be honest. This is entertaining. Like, even the worst of these, even Maximum Overdrive, I would watch that right now. Right I've now. I've never seen it. Right now? You okay. should. You should think about seeing it. Maximum Overdrive. I would okay. consult your doctor, but check and see if you should see it, because I think he would say you should see it. <laughs> okay. Um, now, okay, I want to bring up something a little bit strange. And, I'm, I'm um, here for I'm you. I'm going to be delicate about this. Okay. I did have a strange uh, moment when, at the end, um, the way that they finally destroy Christine is with a, with a bulldozer, which yeah. is an extremely masculine kind of looking and behaving piece of equipment right. and they crush her yeah it's the way they do it, it the, the, there was something there was something odd about it to me i just want to i'm not even <laughs> going to say anything more than that um there was something somewhat um uh perversely <laughs> sexualized about that to me i thought oh did you wow. did you did you I did didn't, you i didn't no, run that film, run that film again sometime, and tell me if you don't <laughs> think that there's that, some other. I'll run that back. Yeah, it's a little, little weird. Um, right. Did it remind you of that that see the Untaponsi sequence in um, <laughs> in Toast of London? Is yes. that is that what you're is that what you're talking about? A little bit. Yeah. You got a little bit of that vibe. A little bit. That's all I'm gonna say. I don't want to <laughs> okay. go any more into it than that. <laughs> all right, then moving um, on. Um, uh, one shot I thought was interesting was when Arnie is starting to turn and he's at the garage and he has his first big fight with his girlfriend on the phone and they did a nice frame with a frame within a frame and him behind all of the window panes. So it was a little bit of a prison. It's a little bit of Arnie trapped mm -hmm. visual going on. I, I like those kinds of things. You do. You do. I, well, I, lo I look for those. I look for when, when you know, um, particularly when, when, when anything that they're doing where they're, they're using the the environment to suggest the world closing in. Like in, in Wait Until Dark, there's a great shot of Audrey Hepburn when she realizes she's that all of the guys are against her and that there's no one to help her. And they do this great shot of the camera going up the, her the camera goes up the stairs so that she's thought shot through the baluster and it's, she's trapped. She's in a cage. Um, and I, I, anytime they do those kinds of. Anytime somebody is telling anytime things, there's somebody trapped in some scenario. I like uh, that. You like that? Yeah. No, no, it's not that it's, it's um, I love I love those and because I teach visual storytelling to the freshmen. Yeah, I'm always looking for those little places where sure, yeah. the DP said, "Hey, you know what would be interesting is if we did this because that would tell this part of the story." I I like that those things. Uh, it's always uh, you know I mean that's I think the hallmark of a great movie. I think if a movie doesn't have those elements in it, you you may be dealing with a movie that's not quite as great. There you go. There, it's a smart and feeling. the other thing I have to say, and I don't know why I have to say this, uh, there's a sweater that Keith Gordon wore in this movie. Um, the one with sort of the shawl collar and the two button, two buttons and a yes. I had that sweater in high school. Yes, you did. Yes, you yeah. did. You remember it? I do. It was, I think it was a Lands End sweater, maybe. Yeah. And it gave me it gave me such a nostalgic warm feeling. To, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'm back in 
I was, I was back in high school watching this movie. It really, yeah, that and the and the Timberlands and the and the uh, yeah, yeah. There you go. All of it. The sh- the the shirts, the khaki shirts that were unbuttoned but tucked in, but unbuttoned all the way with a t-shirt underneath. Another classic look. Yeah. Period. Yep. And yes. that that divide, that social divide between the the kids who who hung out at a place, you know, who took shop versus the kids who played football versus, you know. Yeah, well, all that stuff was very enforced when we were in high school. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's a very different landscape now. I, I can't imagine there are many smoking areas in in, in high, high school, school anymore, where oh, that's right. You know, the greasers really? hung out and would smoke in a like on campus. Uh, yeah, I remember the smoking area on campus. I mean, oh my gosh. I guess they have a smoke like a weed smoking area now, but you cigarettes, yeah, yeah, forget it. You can't yeah. do that. Yeah, um. I love also just this is a visual thing, but every time they use it, it's so good. Is those headlights, man? That's a oh. classic image from this movie. When those headlights go on, yep, you know it's she means business. Right. And is... the green hue when she mm-hmm. when she's possessed, they give her a little green. Well, in the dashboard. Behind. Yeah. Yeah, on the speedometer. Yep, it's fantastic. Let us letting us know bad things are a coming. Um. Yeah, um, I, I, the, I mean, I, I think as much as I, I love Keith Gordon. I think he, they, they, he goes. They were that scene in the car with him in Stockwell. Maybe a little, maybe it goes a little far. In the mustache twirling, uh, I'm not going to blame Keith. I think it was he was you know directed to do it. Well, That's he's the director. Only. He could hire us, so you know, careful, you know. Well, what, no. what are you talking about? He's going to hire me to do what? <laughs> I don't need any lawn jobs right now. I'm, I've, I, okay, I have all the pool cleaning jobs I can handle. I don't need him. So what are you, what are you implying? You think our paths are going to cross in this in the industry somehow? Keith, is that Keith what is going to listen to this podcast and he's going to say, I, w- I want those guys in my next movie. I praise him. I've praised him continuously throughout this. If if I can't bring up a moment in one, one of his mo- first okay. films when he was 16 and say I think he was directed to go a little too far, I, I can't be honest on this show. No, okay. All and right. no one will trust me when I speak. <laughs> I mean, why should they? But I, you know, I have to have some kind of, yeah, some kind of credibility here. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. I mean there's things I could say that would make me not work again. I'm not going to say those things. Well, I, I do say those things sometimes. So, you know, that De Palma thing really could cost you. I'm not going to lie. A problem. <laughs> A problem. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably not working for Brian. Um, Brian, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, Brian. I love your movie movies. Yeah. Did you do more than one? <laughs> I loved Carlito's Way. Listen to our episode on Carlito's Way. I said many, many praiseworthy things in that. You did. You were a fan of that film. Yeah, big fan of that movie. Loved that movie. Um, well, I guess, uh, I guess we've talked about Christine, and next week we're going to talk about the stuff, right? Yeah. The stu- next week is the stuff. Yeah. Also from the seventies, or no? Is it or is it the early eighties? That's interesting. I didn't. Uh, I haven't looked that up yet. Ah, well, there you go. The stuff. How do you spell that? Uh, S-T-U-P-H. 
Oh. Oh, that's a different kind of movie. Wait a minute. <laughs> the Stuff, 1985. Satirical 85. science fiction horror film directed by yeah. Larry Cohen. The great Larry Cohen. The great and ever underappreciated Larry Cohen. Larry Cohen. And also featuring featuring um, Michael Moriarty and Andrea Marcovici and Garrett Morris. Garrett and, Morris, uh, who didn't work enough ever. Who did not work enough. I want to um, see him in this so bad right now. Great. Some spectacular. Paul stuff. Sorvino, Danny Aiello. Oh, my God. Look who this cast. Yeah. Okay, this is going to be great. I've seen it, not seen it in years. Fantastic. Well... We'll have a good time next week. And, Halloween uh, continues. Halloween continues after Halloween. That's how we. That's how we do it. Show. Yeah. So uh, watch the stuff because we will spoil it next week. And uh, in the meantime, you know, tell all of your friends about the the podcast. They can catch us live on YouTube, or they can watch us on the podcast. Um, and they can watch us later on YouTube if they want. To, 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 yeah. If it's too scary to watch us live, if it's if it's too nerve wracking, because yeah. who knows what could happen? Um, it's like watching stunt work and people in a trapeze. Can't, <laughs> yeah, some people can't take time. it. Yeah. Um, so uh, tell everybody about it, and we will see you next week. That's it's, I can't. I couldn't put it any better myself. That's our traditional sign off. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know. 